Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. And this is a big time. Obviously, the billions who will watch the World Cup from beginning to end, including in the United States, the frenzy, and all of the other collateral activities that you generated from that, makes all of us focus on sports business, even those who don't do it for a living. So let's look at the deal-making issues of this week. Three to one. Three. Women's Sports Network launches a free channel on Roku to stream original shows and programming. Partners such as the Athletes Unlimited, WNBA, LPGA Tour, Street League Skateboarding, U.S. Ski and Snowboard. They're involved in Roku and the show they call the studio show Game On, discussing the latest trending topics across women's sports. Women's Sports Network not secured rights to live stream full games. Plans to eventually be involved in those rights, though. Fast Studios, the L.A.-based streaming venture studio, signed up highly anticipated Women's Sports Network last month. Two. Mobile TV group upgrades Bally Sports West's broadcast with certain technology. Bally Sport West and Bally Sport SoCal broadcast seen in 1080p HDR, the highest quality video possible. I'm not technical, but I understand how big that is. 32 sources per broadcast, four of the 12 1080 HDR cameras. Last summer, Bally Sports also launched a subscription streaming service, Bally Sports, available to all of its 19 markets as a direct-to-consumer service. Sinclair acquired the collection of Fox Sports regional networks in 2019, rebranded as Bally Sports. One. The Argentina versus Mexico match drew the largest U.S.-Spanish language World Cup group stage audience in history. The average of total audience delivery of 2.07 million viewers across Telemundo, Universo, Peacock, and Telemundo, uh, Telemundo streaming platforms, up about 3% versus 2018. The exclusive Spanish-language media rights holder of the FIFA World Cup Telemundo, Qatar in the U.S., most watched match of the tournament in Spanish so far, remains Argentina versus Mexico, November 26. But let's remember, this is the group stage, and the World Cup in- expects to have over 2 to 3 billion viewers when it's all told. This is just the beginning. World Cup on everybody's mind, so therefore we have the hospitality angle covered. Road Trips is a company that generates client-initiated and client-benefited tours to the major sporting events through their relationships across the globe. They were spending time getting ready for the World Cup in Qatar and now going to the events like the UEFA and the Olympics and the World Cup in North America. Next, Matt Gunther is the lead host for them on the ground from Qatar. Very interesting perspective on transportation, infrastructure, planning, quality, hotels. They have international comparative experience. Here's Matt Gunther. So, obviously, 
your couple of weeks on the ground, where I spent some time getting to know you and the organization and others, was part of a long-term planning process. Give me the snapshot elevator speech of what Road Trips is and why you guys are special. So, I mean, we're uh, essentially, you kind of nailed it. We, we, nail, uh, we go at uh, special events. So uh, we specialize in big, large sporting events uh, globally. Uh, so with the World Cup being the kind of the pinnacle of that every, every four years that comes to, comes to fruition. And so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we specialize in putting together customizable packages where we can take uh, all the aspects and uh, take care of that for, for our clients and uh, make sure they don't have to do much thinking. So we, we, we gather all the, all the things that they need to have a good time and uh, put it together. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what we do for, for globally for all, a, lot, a lot of events. Uh, but uh, in this case, uh, we're talking about the World Cup. Well, of course, it, it takes some experience to be able to pull this off. And one of the things that has to happen at the threshold is a relationship with FIFA. Kind of, you don't have to get, de- in, you get as much detail as you want, but describe the, the kind of business relationship with FIFA. They, they, they award uh, packages of events and hotels and amenities to qualified groups, and then those groups offer those definitive packages to uh, at least... Uh, 31 uh, uh, large countries with their travel entities uh, that are able to go to those countries. And I may be oversimplifying it, but add to that. I mean, to be honest, our relationship with FIFA is, um, I mean, we're not, we're not an official provider uh, per se. Uh, I, our, we, we kind of do uh, things a little bit uh, differently and uh, we, we have different suppliers that we've, that we've worked with. Um, then again, we, they are, uh, we don't overstep. And uh, I mean, my job personally as a lead host, I kind of center around putting together packages that are personalized for guests and then kind of making them custom to their tastes. And then I've kind of been ho- fortunate to host on, on the ground. So I'm, I'm more centered in the, in the hosting. Um, as far as the kind of the relationships go, that would be a bit more, a bit more above my, my pay grade um, and a bit more uh, h- higher up. But I kind of focus being on, being on site and, and, and uh, hosting and, and help, helping pa- uh, packages come together. Well, the hosting is really what I want to focus on, too, because after spending some time in a country the size of Connecticut with eight stadiums within uh, 38 kilometers and having about three million uh, people, uh, of which 15 percent are uh, uh, (laughs) born Qataris, it becomes an interesting logistical nightmare. So, you know, (laughs) give me, as you planned this event for your clients, the... The, the biggest concern you had uh, leading up to the event? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest concern for the event like this compared to past, uh, past World Cups uh, was the capacity of, of Doha and of Qatar. Um, I think a big challenge that we faced was uh, for things that we put together in our packages as far as uh, hotels and, and, and transfers for just airports or, or tours or things like that was the, the, the lack of suppliers available in, in Doha, just sheer based on the sheer size of the city, I believe uh, Doha is about the size of, of Charlotte in, in North Carolina. So just with that many people in, in that small of an area, it was that was kind of the biggest logistical challenge was just making sure we have the right suppliers. We like to do everything at quite a, a high level and a high service level at that. And so typically we have a in bigger cities we have uh, options to choose from, and we can really be picky and and put together the best providers and then make sure we have the best service available for our clients. And, and that was a challenge in Doha just because there wasn't uh, too many providers to pick from. So it would, it had to be a bit of uh, what we could get and what we could use. And so it was uh, 
putting together those those transfers and and making sure everything went smoothly as far as getting people to games, getting people to the to their hotel, making sure that the hotels were susceptible and and uh, able to take all these take all these people and and everything like that. So that was probably the biggest challenge uh, in planning for an event like this, uh, especially in, in Doha. What's the most unique aspect of Doha and the World Cup? I, I assume part of it. I'll let you answer, but for me, it's the it's the eight stadiums within a short period of time. So you could really if you were a fanatic, go to three games a day, maybe even four in those early rounds, which is crazy, but nobody ever mm-hmm. contemplated that at any other World Cup before. So talk about that. Yeah, 100% that would be, you, you nailed on the head. That's the, the most unique uh, factor for this World Cup. Um, for any crazy uh, soccer or football <laughs> fanatic, um, this was the, that, that was kind of like a, an amazing opportunity. Uh, we had some clients go to three matches in a day and just that was never possible in, in past World Cups in, in Russia where you had to fly multiple hours in between cities just to see different matches. And so the, the fact that you could drive to a, to a match 25, 30 minutes away and then at the end of that match take an Uber 25 minutes to another stadium and see the next match going on was, um, I mean, it was very interesting logistically, but also for, for, for fans and uh, for clients, it was, it, was a, it was a dream come true for, for true soccer fans to be able to do that and uh, see, all those, see all those matches and, and see multiple big team, big players. Um, that, was, that was definitely the most unique part of this World Cup. And then I think it's uh, so far, I mean, as far as seeing from a soccer standpoint goes, fans are, are thrilled, with, the, thrilled with, Doha, with, with what Doha's provided. Yeah, and uh, obviously drama, but a World Cup will always provide the drama. It's just a question of what the overlay is and where it is. Uh, can you mm-hmm. reflect on surprises, uh, anything that kind of you didn't count on that was either better than expected or not as good? And, uh, you know, you don't have to be real specific, but it would be interesting for people to hear your overall perspective on this. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think as far as su- surprises, I mean, a couple of the surprises were kind of, Surprises to everyone as far as what uh, decisions were made by the country and, and FIFA and whatnot as far as selling alcohol at stadiums and um, things like that nature that were kind of coming down at the last minute that they started changing around. Um, as far as us as us goes, I mean, I think we we anticipate there'd be challenges. Every every event we anticipate there's going to be certain challenges. Um, I think. I don't know if any of them were out uh, outside of anticipation. I think again, the biggest one was was transfers for us, um, just to, to make sure that people got to certain places on time and in their in their right spots and, and things like that. And I think we had, um, I think one of the big things that we realized on the ground at the start of the event was that there's going to be a lot of people working that you would think that typically you would have we would have people working for for us or for companies there that. Um, have been there for a while and have an expertise in the city. And I think on the case, one of the shocks, I guess, for us was there was a lot of people there that were working for companies that had just gotten there, whether they come in from uh, India, the Philippines, uh, you name it. Uh, there was a lot of people that are were training to to learn the city and try to provide a service that looks like they know the city, but they've only been there for a month or, or a couple of weeks. And so that was kind of one of the things we had to work with our suppliers and making sure people knew what they were doing and knew the city and could could navigate it and get get around and, and things like that. Uh, for, for typically, it'd be people that would be have been there for a while and, and, and know the city, but it was a lot of people in the, this case that, because of the capacity concerns, as I mentioned earlier, they just had to bring in people from other places. Do you get a sense now, post the event, 
that the predictions that tourism will grow tenfold because the World Cup's going to create a major impact on all of these UAE relationships, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and also the scheduling that they have with the Asia Cup and the Horticultural Doha Expo and the World Judo Championship, they give pretty good reasons. And you don't have to tell me whether you think it's going to be eightfold or tenfold, but w- w- comment mm-hmm. on the legacy. What, what, what do you think? Is, is the party having its intended uh, result of having people focus on this area and thinking about coming back? Yeah, I mean, as far as, I mean, from my personal experience, I mean, the, the city was the city provided, uh, I mean, it's been a great host so far. It's been clean. It's been uh, efficient and and fast to move around and and things like that. So as far as that goes, I think people are going to be like not leave with a bad taste in their mouth. So I think there will be a lot of people that will be open to be going to another country in that area or exploring uh, things some other time. Um, Yeah. I I don't know how much, uh, but I I would say that they've done a job. I think the, the big thing that they've had going for them is the fact that they've had so many stadiums. So I think a lot of people were drawn to the area purely just because of the soccer. So I don't know how many people would, would go back without that being being there. But I think uh, the the city didn't hurt their chances. It was clean. It was it was efficient. And I think there would be people definitely wanting to maybe check out other areas in the in the surrounding area. Post COVID, I'm just throwing a couple at at you. Post COVID, sports tourism was one of the first to rebound. <laughs> once people were allowed back in stadiums and uh you know any tourism official would say we think we're kind of back to normal absent some major outbreak and china going wild Mm -hmm. again but you know do you are you what's the future look like in your business it's it was it was i mean we were like everyone we were we were pretty quiet during all that but you were right we were pretty quick to to rebound i think a lot of people were just anxious to to get back out get back out there and not uh, one uh, to travel and, and, and see places. And I think people really missed travel and, and the experience that you get with travel, but to just uh, to see, to see sporting events We're we, I would say we're back at, we're back at normal as well. Um, things are, things are going well and we're, we're excited for, for what future events are. I mean, our next big event that we're looking towards, um, I mean, we have the women's world cup actually uh, next summer, and that's going to be a, that's uh, an event that's continued to grow for us. Um, as it's grown in popularity across North America as well. And then the next really large event would be the, the summer games in, in Paris in, in 2024. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as domestic events and, and other events, as far as F1 and, and other things globally, we are, we are on track to see bigger numbers um, from even previous years. So it's, uh, things are back to normal for us. And it, it seems to be that people are just anxious to get out to back to experiencing things and, and experiencing um, travel and, and sporting events uh, and, and making memories with those events. It's good to hear that the numbers are up. I got one final question for you that's that, that, that's that's relevant mm-hmm. for Paris and and then the World Cup uh, in, in our neck of the woods after that. So it's only a couple of yeah. years away. So is your planning cycle for something as big as the Olympics? I mean, do you start tomorrow on that? What what what's the what's the logistical <laughs> cycle for you guys? Yeah, we started uh, maybe a year ago. <laughs> um, it's a it's a long process for these for these big events we we're typically doing stuff uh, I mean three three years out even more for some parts of our uh, people in our office are doing uh, planning for hotels and, and uh, uh, doing site visits and things like that but um, yeah our whole office will I mean will shift focus uh, mainly after the World Cup but there's definitely been a portion of it already focused on getting everything ready f- f- for the event and we're we're selling the events and we're ready to we're ready to go for it um but yeah as far as planning goes these big events take up 
uh, multiple years in in prior to for our, especially our event team they're they're focused on they have a, a wide branch and a wide a variety of things that they focus on from hotels and, and transportation and um, just making sure our client experiences go well so yeah there it's a it's a quite a long process uh, i think longer than some people uh, think for sure Oh, you mean you can't just call on Tuesday and say, I want to <laughs> 300 hotels on, on Thursday. I get it. And the industry needs the business and they need quality companies like yours. Well, Matt has some really interesting perspective on how this World Cup stacks up from others. Certainly unique. And he understands why and how to overcome any problems. Let's talk about the Sports Gaming Minute, North Dakota. You don't expect that to be a big deal, but U.S. Department of Interior basically expected to give final approval to a deal between the state and the Indian nations in North Dakota. Department of Interior has 45 days to approve or reject the regional and the state compact. Bottom line is allowing online Class Three casino-style gambling and other online sports betting, including mobile gaming, within the physical boundaries of the reservations. The 11 tribal casinos generate about $250 million each year in gambling winnings, according to the American Gaming Association. No commercial casinos. This should supplement the revenue and, generated, and generate needed income to North Dakota. How about the sports tech minute? Very important stuff going on now from a global sports industry perspective and they're having their big conference backed by the Victorian government uh, for the next two years in Melbourne. The global sports leaders, the centerpiece state-of-the-art facility will generate the hosting uh, Melbourne and Olympic Park's state-of-the-art facility. Sport NXT 2023 featuring more than 50 leading industry executives and speakers both in person and virtually, headlining the blockbuster keynote sessions with lecture panels and breakout sessions. This event is big, and now it has a stable home for a couple more years. Finally, we end as we normally do with a good Sports 5. Former Dodgers star Yasiel Puig could face trial next month for his sports betting case. There's no evidence that a plea agreement for Puig who last played for the Cincinnati Reds and Cleveland Indians, now plays in South Korea, bet on baseball. We'll see how it all shakes out. Dave Ramsey puts U.S. universities on blast for promoting online gambling to students and reaping millions in fees. University of Colorado Boulder reportedly collects 30 bucks every time someone uses the university's promotional code to download the Point Bets gambling app and starts betting again. We'll see how the regulations work there. Tom Brady could potentially return to the New England Patriots next season based on the biggest event potentially in NFL history. It's only rumor, but rumors have a funny way of generating some reaction. Deion Sanders accepts the Colorado job. Buffalo's swing big, hoping Coach Prime leads a major turnaround. CBS News Colorado reported Friday that the Sanders offer will be a starting salary of more than $5 million. Incentives that could see his annual pay increase by roughly 40% or more. Finally, NFL teams are looking at Michigan's Jim Harbaugh as a possible fit to fill coaching vacancies 
He rebuilt multiple programs at the college level and sustained success with the Wolverines, but he's got some unfinished business first. That's your show for today. We'd like to thank Matt Gunther for what he does and appreciate the time he gave us to talk about the ins and outs of Cutter planning for the World Cup. We'd like to thank uh, uh, Nick Nielsen for helping put this together. We'd like to thank all of those involved in the show. I'd like to thank you for watching and listening. And join us next time when we cover other issues in the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Rick Harrell. Speak with you soon.